people don't understand, man, the work that goes into all that. And, uh, you know, I want I want to touch on that because I think about this a lot. I think you're such an awesome person, Matt. I really, I, I you know, the people that work the hardest behind the scenes, you know, people don't don't often see. And I think that DC Nightlife is uh, is is better off and is positively impacted by your presence. You know, I think that in a club like Echo Stage, there's shit popping off all the time and potential for things. And I... I, I can like really feel better knowing that you're there. I feel like like young women are probably in 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 better care with you around. You know what I mean? I feel like um, these young kids doing stuff for the first time and experimenting. I feel like you know. I feel like you. I feel like you genuinely care about people. I feel like you really relate yourself to like every single one of those kids. And I feel like you really and you touched on it. You said you you, you grew up there. You love that and you, you pay homage to that. And I and it's very obvious. You know, it's very obvious. And in in such a Giant nightclub. There's so much potential for, you know, shitty people to be running them. I mean, straight up. There's a lot of, you know, douchebags running big clubs in places. And, I mean, there's, you know, countless stories of all kinds of shady shit going on. And and I feel like Echo Stage has done a really great job of navigating through that and not being that club. And, I, and I you know, I could be wrong because I know there's hundreds of people that are there. And so it's not just you. But <clears throat> I definitely feel that um, the younger kids and the people, the people going to Echo Stage are in really good hands because of you, and I, I think that's awesome, you well, know? Well, I appreciate you saying that. I mean, <clears throat> I guess if I had to break it down, uh, people don't realize when you're doing a music show how long those days are. I didn't realize. <laughs> I mean, right up <laughs> until like, we opened Echo Stage, I had no idea, and, and God bless the production people. First and foremost, production is probably the most, they might be the hardest working people I've ever met because when we do a show and it's a full tour, um, God bless the security that get in there early to make sure that sure. the tour buses and the semis are taken care of. Right. But right on their heels, and I'm talking six to eight in the morning, production's walking in there. Sure, <clears throat> they're getting ready. They're setting everything up. They're meeting with the tour managers. They're unloading the buses. Then they do like four or five hours of hard manual labor loading in. Physical. Then they do like yeah. three or four hours of nonstop, you know, sound checking the bands, sound checking the artists. Right. Fine tuning everything, and, and, and you're ripping the place apart. Right. Lighting, plugging everything in. You're taking a completely foreign production, moving it into the venue, yep. trying to make it work with your stuff. Educating the tour that just walked in, getting them all set up, and then you have the show. Then they have to do the show. And then now something. These guys barely have time to eat throughout the day. Right. And then you have, like I said, you have security guards that come in at like five, four in the morning to like you know keep an eye on things. Then you have managers that have to come and open the doors For in the morning. Sure. So the managers get in there. Then you have the crew that's answering the phones, the lost and found, the sound check, uh, ticketing questions. The managers are juggling all that double duty. We have you know staff that come in. Then I mean, an average show day for a manager, a production person, and some security is. On like a major tour, they're working twenty straight hours. For sure. Uh, an average electronic show, they're still working fourteen, fifteen hours yeah. straight through. Uh, so yeah, you're right. Behind the scenes during the day, people think we just show up at nine o'clock all exactly. the time. Hey, we're coming to be there nine. No, 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 we're gonna be there <laughs> like nine. And then during the week, <laughs> yeah. we still have a million things to do during the week. I mean, yeah. there's there's bookings, there's uh meetings, there's uh, production meetings, uh, there's advanced meetings, there's marketing meetings, yeah. there's uh, sponsorship meetings. There's meetings just to go over staffing. There's meetings to go over hiring. There's meetings to go. I mean, it's endless, endless thousand things that have to be done during the week. We're open every day yeah. uh, from 10 to 5 over there, minimum. Uh, so, you know, it's a lot of behind the scenes that we don't, you know, really anyone really knows about. A lot people of people think we it. just show up, hang out with the artists, pop some champagne, everyone parties and goes <laughs> yeah, home. Exactly. Like, no, it doesn't work that Take way. Take selfies all the way home. In the, in it's the a month. lot. 
But also touching on what you were talking about as far as like caring about uh, the patrons, I think the most unsung thing that Echo Stage pioneered and has done uh, is our first aid room, which is much more than just a first aid room. It's not, you know, I cut my toe, I go there for Band-Aids. It's a, it's a room with like 15 couches and we have the, the greatest people in the world, the kindest souls. There's five or six EMTs in there and very rarely do they have like an emergency. Right. But they're there for the person, you know, sometimes a girl has a panic attack. Somebody, yeah. sometimes somebody is just overheated and needs a place to sit just down and sit breathe. Down, chill out sometimes really, yeah. someone has had a shitty experience with their boyfriend and just needs to go sit down and, and, and have a moment to themselves and talk with somebody. They do it all. I mean, That's they so are awesome. there for the person instead of getting thrown out in the street because you had too much to drink. Right. They sit them down, let them get it out of their system. They hold those buckets up for them to throw up to like, <laughs> like, like, I don't know if my brother would do for me, <laughs> but they're there taking care of people, yeah. making sure that they are safe and sound when they leave the venue. If they're, if they're messed up, they, they, they get their friends. They find right. their friends. If they can't, they answer the phone, get their parent, like whatever they have to do to make sure they're, they're getting home safe. Right. We try to make sure everyone comes in. And is taken care of genuinely, not just like a come in. Oh, right. you're, you're messed up. Nah, you're going out the side door in the well, alley. Like we, the we usual take care procedure of would be to bring him into the drunk tank, sit him down, shake him down, take all their drugs and some right. of their we've money, heard, and then heard, put him out on the street. So like, really, we've all know? heard those stories, yeah. and you know that that's probably one of the things I'm proudest of is like that genuine room of just care for people, the, the nicest people working there, and those those EMTs take care of so many people and help them in so many ways. Um, you know, when you're putting thousands of people through a door multiple nights a week, there's going to be people that sprain their ankle. There's going to be people, you know, and and to be taken care of and have everything ready to go. Like it's important. So that's something I'm really proud of. They've, they've done amazing work with just making sure the crowd's comfortable. Um, our staff has been there for so long. I mean, I would say 60, 70% of our staff has been there since we opened and that's bartenders, security, barbacks, everybody. Um, you know, it's, it's a, it's a family atmosphere. Um, and I think it works because it's a part-time family atmosphere, so we don't fight too much because we're only open two or three days a week for the the big, you know, the actual shows. So it's, people can, we have lawyers, we have, uh, you know, police off, we have all kinds of people that work there that have other full lives and jobs, but for them, I can go make some decent money, disconnect, enjoy the music, see my friends and work on the weekend and it's part-time and you can adjust your schedule. So it's been nice because we don't really lose anybody. We keep a lot of like... You know, we, we keep people and, and it's it helps with, you know, when you come to a venue and you see the same faces, that's huge. It makes I mean, a difference. It's yeah. huge. Every time I go somewhere and I'm like, oh, I know so-and-so, like, great. You know, we're going to be, it's going to be good tonight. It's going to be okay. Right. Right. I know this bartender. I know this doorman. I know this manager. It makes a difference. So, you know, obviously Echo Stage is almost five years in now, probably like three or four months away from five years, but uh, it seems like yesterday and every year we make such improvements. We push even harder to make it a like better venue. Actually, it feels like it's been open for like two years. I, yeah. I mean, I can remember specific text messages you sent me four or five years yeah, ago. Yeah, like yeah. it shows like, it's like, you know, <laughs> yeah, I was just thinking about that. too. <laughs> I don't, it, yeah. But that was a good time. <laughs> I mean, no harm, no foul. So we're good. I mean, yeah. it, it, I'll, I'll, I'll say it this way. Um, some, no, I don't even know if I can say it, but it was a funny story. It's a yeah. legendary story. We still talk about it, it at Echo Stage. And you were like the catalyst for the whole story. <laughs> you were like, hey, you might want to come check this out. And I, I wish I could tell the story. I, I don't know. know if I it's could. so good. I feel like it's a huge tease. I don't know. But it was it was legendary. It it's was It's still a legendary story. I think about that all the time. That's one of those music stories when people are like, what's the craziest thing you've seen? It was that text yes. message you sent me. I was me. hoping. I was hoping. It's still okay. up there for craziest thing I've ever seen. <laughs> well... It, 
for whoever's listening, you can ask us off the record. Yeah, off maybe the record, we'll tell find you, me. Yeah, I'll yeah. tell you what it, 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 what it was. It was good. good. It was very good. It though. was. I was like, I can't go back there, man. Like, things happen. Yeah. It, uh, it was harmless. No one was injured. Exactly. But it was fascinating. It was fascinating. Fascinating. It's still fascinating. It's still fascinating. <laughs> I'll drink to that. Yeah, I'm gonna do a shot. Here's to uh, you know resilience. That's all I'm gonna say here. <laughs> First time I ever met a superhero in my Dude, in my real life. Like, seriously, <laughs> like what is that? A stupid superhero, but yep. nonetheless, you know, it's still a superhero. Yeah, seriously. Oh man. So uh, so speaking of which, we should also mention that Echo Stage just uh, DJ Mag uh, did the hundred best clubs in the world, and uh, Echo Stage took number eight uh, and scored higher than any other club in the country. So that uh, that squarely lands them at number one in the United States. The number one nightclub in the United States is on Queens Chapel Road, motherfuckers. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, it's, it's wild. Amazing? It's wild. I remember when... Um, Imagine how many strippers were in that building long before Echo Stage. They might still be there buried, like, underneath somewhere. <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure. not funny, but, but it's funny. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, I mean, it's humbling. I remember when we first opened... And that first year they came out the rankings, and in the first year we we were thirty eight, and yeah. I was like, "Wow!" I mean, like <laughs> yeah. we had no push behind or anything. We're not you can't. There's rules to how you can even like market yourself for that event, right? Like you can't do giveaways or anything. Hey, vote for me! So it it really is like people have to vote oh, of their yeah. own volition, and uh, that was out of nowhere. And I was like, "Wow, we have a really great fan base. Like we're we're getting somewhere fast. This could be something special." But I mean, I knew all the names in the top twenty, right? In my wildest dreams that I ever think we would crack the top 20, no. I mean, they're legends. Some of right. these, it's Ibiza nightclubs that have been doing right. it for 20 some years. It's, you know, it, like the whole country of like, you know, Croatia came together and built this club and it's like their <laughs> temple. And, right. and it's like 20,000 person, like huge rainforest clubs in Brazil. And it's, it's crazy stuff. Uh, it's fabric in London. It's yeah. space in Ibiza. I mean, I grew up knowing about these since I was like, 14 years old you know right so to honestly get into the top 10 around those names is so humbling and, and then i guess for us you know we push for it and we're happy when we get it but then you do you take kind of a step back and you think about it and you go wow those names i'm around and then you think why like how did we get here and then it's like okay i saw some comments on facebook and it was somebody said i used to live in dc i used to go to echo stage and i live in la so I go to clubs that are in like the top 50 out here, but they're all about being a club. They're like, there's, there's tables on the floor. Right, right, right. It's all table, 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 table right. here and there. The usual. And, and there's a very small dance floor and it's, you know, 80 to a hundred dollars to get in and they right. care about what you're dressed like and stuff like that. Right. And it's in like a trendy area of the city. Echo Stage is a warehouse totally. in Northeast DC, which pays homage to Electronic music's I mean, roots. The tunnel. It was a tunnel. Exactly. Right? It it pays homage to what electronic music came from. Yeah. And yeah, okay, EDM exploded seven years ago, eight years ago, six years ago. Whatever argument you want to make for when it right. blew up. Probably Daft Punk Alive, Swedish House Mafia, like right around that time it exploded. Uh, but it's been around for 30 years. It's been wildly successful worldwide for sure. For 30 some years plus. I mean, you could go back to like early Chicago, however you want to break it down. There's always some, right, you know, there's always right. some cool guy like music right. bloggers to be like, Matt, well, technically, right. this guy was making it on his, you know, whatever old ham radio before right. you. And I'm like, okay, I get it. But I'm just saying in general. Um, but like, it's a warehouse in Northeast DC 
where thousands of people just crowd together on a floor in traditional music venue style. And it's got some bars down the side. It's got some big-ass bathrooms so you don't have to wait all night. Yeah. And then we have the VIP option upstairs yeah. for people who want that. You know, Which for is people awesome. who need that. Cool. Like, I, I need that. Great. Like, sometimes people will have a birthday and they want to get a table. Great. But we don't shove it down your throat. Right. You know, it's not sacrificing the crowd's experience for that. And then you have the upstairs bars that are just for 21 and up for the older crowd. For sure. Don't have to pay any extra for that. That's just right. for you. That, that's my jam up there. And it's yeah. I want to witness. I like to observe. I don't. I don't want to be. It's in got a back place. patio. You want to go get some air. Yeah. And it's got a huge ass crazy lighting display that no one else has in house and sound system and everything, which we're always upgrading. You know, lights you get upgraded. To, yeah. Sound gets upgraded. Everything's getting upgraded. So the, you know, and then you factor in what I think is a great staff. I'm, I mean, I'm biased, but I love my staff. I think they're really kind and in general, like very much caring and mm-hmm. and professional. I mean, you and Ben Leck, like, are kind of like the poster boys for Echo. And I mean, what a great example of who works there. <laughs> I'm not being sarcastic. No, I appreciate Sometimes it. Sometimes when I'm being sincere, no, I sound right. like I'm being sarcastic. No, but... I'm appreciative. We, we, you know, for the most part, I guess we have become that. But then. Beyond that, you go to uh, and we try to stay humble. Like we're never like pounding our chest, never. acting like we're the coolest guys. Never. We're not. I mean, never. we're just we're just workers. We come we come no, and do like our clowning job. Clowning each other, having a good time. But then you have like legends like Pete Muzzo, who's been doing it for twenty years, doing the bookings, and you have, you know, like like I said, up and comers like Steve's promo, then legends like I and P that are booking the venue. Like right. it's special. Nobody has a lineup like we have anywhere in the country with a room that size. With with a, a staff that's really you know been there that long, and you factor all those things together, then you kind of understand, and you, you don't like to look at yourself. No one wants to look in the mirror and really look in the mirror, <laughs> and and when we do, because something like this makes you, you see the things you can improve, but you also see the things you do right, and yeah. and you're proud of that. But um, it ultimately comes back to the people. I mean, you're you're nothing without everyone, top to bottom, the hundreds of people that make Echo Stage tick, sure. and uh, you know, like I'm really proud of them. In, in every possible way, they're the best. So uh, it's a blessing to have them, and uh, it's a huge blessing to be ranked number one in the U.S. I mean, nobody cracked the top 15 other than us right. in the U.S., which kind of shows globally what kind of respect sure. the U.S. electronic clubs get because, I mean, we got murdered this year as a country. You, right. Echo Stage yeah. was eight. No one else was in the top 15. Yeah. Vegas didn't crack the top 15. No one from L.A., New York, Chicago, huge, Miami. Those Vegas like, clubs are like smaller. Probably spent like four times as much on like ridiculousness, and they pro- can't even come close to. Everyone still treats it as a table clientele, as right. like a fad, like a Vegas thing. Like, yeah. oh, come see, you know, blah blah blah, and by your table we can charge high because he's a cool DJ that people know internationally, like Pauly D, <laughs> whoever. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, but but then it's like, who's actually setting up concerts other than festivals? where the fan can really come and just party and have a good time. Sure. And that's what makes Echo different. And yeah. and the DJs, the artists, the, the rock, they everyone, love they love it. I mean, you have a low stage right in front of the audience. You're connecting yeah. with them. They're, they're literally right in front of your face. Yeah. And you have thousands of people in front of you, nothing obstructing the sight lines. It's wide open. And it, you know, there's no columns or anything. It's just a sea of people yeah. in front of you. It's like a mini festival inside. It really is. The artists lose their minds. They're like, dude, aside from the production, aside from the cryo and the confetti and the lasers and the, <laughs> the LED wall, cool, that's great. We get that at a festival. Yeah. But when you're inside right a building and that crowd came for you, yeah. they're not here because they wanted to see like chain smokers, stage, right. you know, closing and they happen to be here for your set. Like these are people that are here because they're there for that artist and they're they're enjoying the hell out of it. And they're having a blast, and and that's why our crowd is so special. They rock out because they're there for the artists, and they go nuts. Yeah. And because geographically we're located right in the middle of like, 
five, six major states, and there's nothing for anybody like that anywhere. We get kids who come up, like I said, Carolinas, southern yeah. states. They drive up, make the six-hour, seven-hour drive up, get a hotel room, you know, because that artist is never coming any closer anywhere, to yeah. them all year. So it, it's been wild. It's been yeah, really, really, that, it's been yeah. a blessing. And, you know, sometimes anybody gets so focused in their work, it's so, like, dialed into what's in front of their face, the nuts and bolts of making it work, you lose sight of the bigger picture, which is that you're blessed to have a job where pe- you're making an influence in people's lives. I mean, we've had engagements on stage. We've had crazy things. Like, pe- this is a special part of people's lives. Totally. It's celebrations. It's, you know, all of their friends. It's stuff they're going to remember forever, just like we remember all of our yeah. young music days. And-, and that's a gift to be a part of that, to give that back to someone is a blessing and a gift. And, and you know, whenever I get kind of tired or exhausted or beat up, I kind of smile and look out at the crowd. And I'm like, dude, that's so badass. That they're just, yeah. they're having the time of their, their life. Yeah, you-, you nailed it. It's just all love. And, and that's another thing to touch on. For a crowd that size, it's amazing how well everyone gets along. Right. I've worked bars, college bars, <laughs> DC bars. 100 people. Two, 300 people, five, six, seven fights or arguments or incidents a night. I will do thousands of people in an electronic show Nothing. and legitimately have like one or two arguments all night. Not fights, just arguments right. between people. It's unbelievable how well everyone gets along and how much they support each other and take care of each other. So is it the same? You know, there's always the argument from the purists of like the old rave scene, you know, where it was kind of self-governed and self-taken care of. Is it the same? No. No. But is it something I think everyone can, if you're going to have to progress and as time goes on, is it something I think people can be proud of still? Absolutely. Yeah, and I mean... It's a different world, you know, when we were all, like, eating ecstasy and going to the rave, we didn't have the fucking internet. We weren't bombarded by the reality of life and all this harsh truth and... Disclaimer, Syrian, I don't know what ecstasy is. I've never yeah, heard of it. never heard of it. Syrian bombs, you know what I mean? Like, we weren't dealing with all that. Like, life was a lot more simple. It was easy. We didn't have cell phones. We could go there in our wide-leg jeans and our big pants, and we could dance, and we could have massage... You know, chains on the floor and sign each other's ebooks, and you know we could do all those things. And it was better in every way, except for we couldn't fucking smoke weed everywhere. Like everyone I know. Knows now, which Shout is, out to DC. Yeah, Hello. good luck. Yeah, good luck DC. But now in general, you're right. I mean, it was it was a simpler, was more a simpler innocent time. time. It was much more innocent. Everything. You know? Um, and the the music is different. You know, when I was going to raves, I mean, there was different rooms. So the one thing that I really liked about the old days is there was always like a hip hop room sure, and a drum and bass sure. room and a house room and a trance room and like different sets. It was not the same BPM at all. You could walk around and felt like different nightclubs. The crowd has become a lot more narrow minded genre wise. Yeah. People adhere to their genres and they're so loyal. Yeah. The tech house, deep house kids. Mm, right. All their music is terrible. This is the cool kid crowd. The bass kids, everything right. else sucks. The house trans kids, you guys are all just ruffians. You know, like, oh, get out of <laughs> here. Ruffians. Hey, I mean, I feel like that's how they would that? talk. That's yeah. the house trans kids okay. they're talking. <laughs> oh, you little bastards, get out of here. Get off my lawn. That's how it all is. But it's like, you're right. I mean, like, the hip-hop kids, the the backpack hip-hop kids especially, they have their own community completely, completely. in D.C. It didn't There's used like, to be that way. There would always be no, backpack rappers. No, you're right. It was with... all mixed together. Mm-hmm. And, and that's one way I wish things would change. Yeah. And, and that's a good, good example you just brought up, thought-provoking, because you're right. Like, there were so many different styles of people, dress. You had skater kids. You right. had goth kids. You had, like, tracks and shit back in the day. Like, gay, straight, whatever. Totally. Everybody was always together. And there is a little bit of a difference. Like, I still feel like electronic music is... And one of the things I love about it, and I always tell my girlfriend this, and she laughs and stuff, but like I get like all you know, like emo about it. 
when I was growing up, I'm old enough where I remember when like gay rights were like a super serious. I mean, they still are a super serious issue. But I remember when, like, you didn't see guys kissing each other on the street in front of everybody. Right, right. You definitely didn't see it at, like, a concert and stuff. And I still get, like, when I see, like, uh, gay men or women or LGBT, whatever, like, run the list. When they feel like they're in a safe place at one of the concerts that I'm working. Yeah. And that they can, like, interact and have moments together of, like, really just feeling like they can be themselves. And same on the city. Like, I love living in a community where I can yeah. walk down the street and see people live their life undisrupted for the most part. I love that. Yeah. And that, that I'm a sucker for that. And that's where I want to live. That's that's the type of concerts I want to throw. And we yeah. had an incident uh a couple months ago where a gentleman literally saw what I was just talking about, two gay men, a couple having an evening, and literally was saying horrible things to them, just very aggressive, horrible things. And I, I came in after the fact and they were standing in, in the first aid room. I was talking to them, and apparently my security walked up, immediately heard what was going on, grabbed the gentleman that was accosting them. And no questions asked, that guy was gone. Removed him. Right. Then we came back, gave them some free tickets to some upcoming shows, and they were like, super appreciative. Yeah. And they were like, this is really phenomenal that you guys reacted Fair. this way. And I was super proud of my staff that I didn't have to say or coach them through it. Right. They just knew that's not who we are. That's not right. the identity of where we are. We are accepting, we're caring, loving of anybody that walks into this building. Yeah. And we're not going to accept that. And yeah. I, I, at every staff meeting, I tell them as well, if I see anything that is, and, and you know, like, for the most part, your own life is your own life, your own personal is whatever. I said, if I see any social media posts that are in any way hate-filled towards any group, mm -hmm. I'll fire you. I've done right. it before. And right. I've told them, I'm like, that's not who we are. Right. You can say whatever you want. I don't care what your politics are. I don't care what you, you know what you eat in the morning or what you wear when you go to right. bed. But if you say, say anything that is openly hateful towards a group or, or people, you're gone. Yeah. That's not who we are. That's your customers, too. I won't. Like, I won't yeah, they're my customers, but also... It, it, it's like you and I have always looked at it as more of like a family. It's a music family. It's a community. And the minute word gets out that you're not not really about that, right, it's electronic, in electronic music, you might as well, you know, just stick a, a knife in it. You're done. It's over. Stick a fork yeah. in it. You're done. You you can't exist without having that crowd because that uh, is the crowd. That's the. Entire I remember going up to New York in like 2001. Uh, you know, like I would go up to like whatever exit, uh, Limelight, Sound Factory. And I would see the drag queens come out and all their like glory at 3 a.m. And there was it was openly gay people all around me. And I was not used to seeing that. I was coming from a college campus, yeah. you know, which is about as repressed back then as you could be. Now things have changed, but it was like refreshing. I loved it. I was like, people are just open here. They're being themselves. There's no judgment. And, and I, I want to keep that kind of legacy going strong. I want electronic music and especially an electronic music venue to be a safe space for anybody. Like, I'm passionate about that. Obviously, I just went off on a huge tangent. No, I love it. Nuts. I love it. But I'm super passionate about that. That it's like important. Whether it's, like I said, all genres should be represented. All all people should be represented. And, and that's music. Yeah. And I don't like that, like, it has kind of segmented in a way where everyone's so trying to be cool in their own little genre. I mean, I I, well, I go to anything. I think what it is is that um, there's not a lot of multi-genre clubs, right? So, like, if Correct. you go to this, like, or this night, it's this music, right? Like, if you're going to go see this group, it's not going to be drum and bass earlier in the night and then house. It's going to be, like, house all night, right? And I think people are just used to going to, like, a house event or a drum and bass event where, like, clubs week. I mean, I, I grew up at the Ritz, you know? The Ritz was a four-story... Sure. You know, every floor was a different genre. I grew up like I just said, Sound Factory was like drag queens, right. house trance, and then downstairs was a hip hop room. Right. In the same building. And in nobody the same was building, like, like in a, in a crazy or, exactly. 5 a.m. rave. Same thing. 
And yeah. and that is something that's missing. I think it's something that's important. And you know, I wish Echo could do it, but we're one giant room, so we can't. You're a big room, and but that's that's important too. You know what sure. I mean? That's important too. I mean, I feel like decades is kind of doing some of that with like the multi, sure. you know, floor sure. and different different decades and stuff. So you know, it's kind of coming back. But I think the kids really they only know what they know. And then I think the biggest difference too is like we danced, and not that these kids don't dance, but it's a lot more like fist bumping. Mm-hmm. But you can't really help them. I mean, it's hard. It's kind of hard to dance to some of the music that's out because sure. it's just like. Such a high BPM. Some or, of it's head banging music. Totally. I mean, it's like experiential music. You know sure. what I mean? And I, and I get that. You know, but we were like dancing. Like I had certain shoes that I wore. Yep. I had certain pants that I wore. Like I had friends that I danced with. Like one of my most like fondest memories of my whole like rave experience was being on the deck at the edge with this chick that I used to like. We we were friends and we'd see each other. We had similar dancing style. And we would like. Have a lot of fun, like ripping it up, and we were dancing in the rain, and I was wearing these stupid, fucking huge, <laughs> wide pant jeans. And so was she. For sure, and we all they were. were just wicking the water yeah. up and like soaking us down. We were like sliding on the deck. I was in like a wife beater, parachute and, like, pants, pants. Yeah. jinkos, everything. Yeah, yeah. and it, and it was just like you know that was my shit. Like I had so many bonding moments dancing with strangers, and that's really where I found my confidence. You know, sure, and, and not sexy dancing, like. Just dancing. Yeah. You will never see me dance now. Like you just won't. It's not gonna happen. But I, I vividly and clearly remember being up at a Sound Factory, those clubs I told you about up in New York, and that was the first time I actually danced in my life. So free. And what I mean by dancing in my life right. is like you said, like there's there's head banging, there's rocking out to music. That was the first time I ever like used my legs and arms at the same time. <laughs> yeah. And then I was like, what do these hips do? Yeah. You know, I was like, I was like actually. Letting myself dance and no one gave a shit that I looked like an idiot because, and I didn't give a shit that I looked like an idiot. I was having fun. And that's like a pivotal moment in your life. Pivotal. You know? like, like, I remember that. Like, I remember the time, the place. Like, like yeah. what, 17 years later? It's it's important. It's it very liberating. It, it's a feel-good moment. You know, there's endorphins for days off that. And and you're right. That is missing from think, a lot of places. But, well, but, but it, I think that goes across all genres. For sure, for sure. It's just, it's, it's just a time. It's just a generation we're in. But I feel like the kids are finding it in other ways, you know, wearing the crazy outfits and the bras, you know, girls that might not have the most perfect body, but they have like, you know, acceptance of their body and they're wearing like a bra or they're wearing like, you know, whatever. I know they don't wear bras, but, you know, the fancy bra looking outfits. Even that is like kind of like the modern day dancing, like no one's watching. Right. Because you're just accepting your body and loving your body enough to like wear something in public that you might not normally do. Right. It's like the 2017 version of kind of. Finding yourself, you know what I mean. The the, the candy, you know, sure. it's like their own their well, own. Well, candy's way, gone. You know? It disappeared overnight. I mean, really? it's gone. Literally in like the last year and a half, two years, gone. Candy culture, it's gone again. Well, because that happened when I was in the rave scene too. Everybody was doing well, candy. Well, it was back and it in the day, down. and then all of a sudden it came back with the whole plur life. Yeah, that's gone. Now it's yeah. tech house, deep house, hard house, hard style, bass music, trap music, dub. It's really spread out genre wise now. Right, and then uh. You know, hip hop's spread out genre wise too. Totally. I feel like hip hop's making a comeback in the concert scene. Now, hip hop was marred in the concert scene for so long because no one was doing shows. It was yeah. all appearances, it was club appearances. Oh, the artist is coming down. Cool. What's he doing? He's going to go fucking stand in a corner for 15 minutes. You can snap and make a picture. $30,000. 30, 50, 60. Yeah. So they're making $30,000, $50,000 to stand in a corner of a club for 15 minutes to go to two or three clubs in a the market. They're out. 
They're making so much money, they don't give a fuck about performing anymore, which ultimately hurt hip-hop. You know what? Because hip-hop stopped being about performances, 100%. and they stopped. They don't know how to perform. I'll tell 100%. you, I'll, I'll say it right now. 100%. Half the artists I get are incredible, and half the artists I get, I'm like, what? what's Ooh, going how? on? How? How did this happen? How did you I get I like here? to believe in my heart that you have some of these artists coming up. There are amazing hip-hop artists that did it on their own that are actually starting to like get notoriety and coming out. And I feel like hip-hop's trending in general right now. Maybe not the hip-hop, all real hip-hop heads wish was coming out, but it's getting better. whatever, it's getting the eyes, it's getting, it's getting ears on it. And, uh, you know, there's so much talent in the hip-hop community, maybe more than any other music community, that is cross-platform. I mean, you've had so many hip-hop artists that have done music, television, uh, movies, you know. Totally. Like, I can go on and on. I mean, like... Childish Gambino is like a huge example right now to me of like someone who I look at and I'm like, this guy has more talent in his little finger than I'm having in my life. He can do a groundbreaking television show. He can be a movie actor. He can be funny. He can be serious. He can do music on a level that he, most people don't even take him seriously enough because he is like a, a well-known face. And there's just so much going on in hip hop that I'm like, I feel like it could turn a corner. If it goes the right direction, right direction in the next like six months to a year, I could see hip hop going Right back to the forefront. I mean, they've I always been a cultural front as far as fashion and, mm -hmm. and everything. They, like, they, they set the standard for fashion. But if, if hip-hop takes the right turn, I could see it becoming a major concert uh, totally. appeal as well. Because I've seen ticket-wise, attendance-wise, yeah. the last four or five sellout hip-hop shows we've done, mixed, mixed crowd, international crowd. Yeah. And like we just talked about how Electronic music is becoming more segmented. Right. Hip hop's becoming more inclusive of lots of different areas. Yeah. I mean, it's it's interesting to watch, but yeah. if I had to pick something to win, you know, like two or three years ago, I picked trap music to blow up. Two years, three years, I obviously bet on dubstep with Sean years ago. But like the next one, I feel like I feel like hip hop's gonna swing way farther back. And it, I don't think it'll be it, it may be mumble rap. I doubt it. No, no. But it'll be something that'll be like I feel like you're gonna get some new little subsect that's gonna that's gonna blow up and it's gonna be talent based, it's gonna be creativity based, and and because they already have one foot into fashion, into movie, into television, and everything where they're so uh important and, and so much influence. I think one one or two special young artists, and I think hip-hop turns the corner and goes back to being on the forefront of concerts. I agree. Because the ticket sales are up. The attendance is up. The interest is up. Uh, even on regular club shows, it's up, and it's diverse and interesting. Just and whenever I see that... You know, like, that's the one thing electronic music is lacking, right? There's not really a generalized message, right? There's a message of unity, and you're together in a big place experiencing something together. Sure. There's not necessarily a lot of words, well, right? Like, you look at you look at like tr like we just talked about. Everything's becoming more segmented and going to their their roots, so to speak, as far as mm -hmm. trance, everything like that. Rock, I don't know what the hell's going on with rock. Rock hasn't had a major move in years, in my opinion. That's true. Since it went like six or seven years ago into like heavy indie, nothing, you know, like alt rock. Yeah, electronic, I'm trying to even think of like rock. a good rock band. Nothing. Oh, well, Tame Impala is probably sure. Like no, there's the... good artists, but they haven't made a move. Yeah, that, it, that's like dynamic or super interesting to me lately. But hip hop is is right there because you know what I think honestly who is it who has uh, assimilated and absorbed more genres of like especially electronic music and everything than hip hop lately? For sure, I hear tracks from artists and I'm like, I mean, maybe it all started with Kanye a decade ago or whoever, but like, I'm like, that's that's a dub track almost in the background. Trap came from hip hop, totally. went to electronic. Now they're actually embracing each other combining him. and it's cool i think hip-hop has had a long history and a storied history of absor absorbing everything 
It's like Future's new tracks. Like I'm not a, a huge fan of Future, but people are laughing about the flute. Cool, like you know, flute on a track. Cool, like right, mix it up. Give flute me something is, different. Yeah, give me something I haven't heard before. Give right. me something I have not heard before, and that goes for all music styles. But I think hip hop does it the best mm-hmm. of where I can listen back to like my favorite album of all time, which is Ready to Die, Biggie, and I can listen to hip hop now, and I'm like, cool, it's like completely different. Right. At least you're not doing the same thing. Exactly. Some genres of music, I'm like, you have not changed in 25 exactly. years. Like it's the same template. Like I want to hear something different, and that's what gets me excited. That's what moves me. That's what makes me want to be in music. Is when I hear something new. When I heard dubstep for the first time. When I when I heard trap music for the first time. When I heard, you know, alt rock, Nirvana. When I heard, I mean, I can right, go through right, my whole right. life and remember when I heard. And I was late to the game for like Bad Brains and Fugazi and like all the punk, and I fell in love with that. And it was cool to travel back in time after the fact and rediscover a whole type of music I didn't even know existed. And yeah. like, it it it's cool. Like you know, I want to hear stuff that I haven't heard before. I wanted to have. The only rule I have across uh, any genre, any any type of music, is it has to have authentic emotion behind it. If I feel like something's too fabricated, too yeah. packaged, yeah, it's not for me. That's why I fell in love with punk. That's why I loved alt rock originally. That's why I loved hip hop back in the days. It sounded yeah. like someone fucking recorded it in their parents' basement, and it was Probably. raw. Yeah. And it had like a raw energy to it. It wasn't planned out. The shit they said in between verses, in between, totally, it totally. felt real. It felt organic. I felt like I was there with them. And it, and it felt realer to me. And, and overproduction and overcleaning up of tracks has kind of like pulled me away from a lot of music and a lot yeah. of different genres just because I want to feel like someone's pissed because sometimes I get pissed. Yeah. I want to feel like someone's happy because sometimes I'm happy. <laughs> I want to feel like someone is bored because sometimes I'm like, I want to feel a connection with the music with myself. And, and a lot of times that doesn't exist anymore because it's like, I almost feel like I'm listening to like a McDonald's jingle or like Burger King or I know what to do. This is the way I should sing. This is the chorus I should sing. Like that and I'm like, what are you saying? Like, what is your song even saying? Yeah. What do you mean? Okay, I got money. I'm partying. Okay, it's a girl. She was cute during the summer and we hung out. Like, fuck, cool. <laughs> okay, it's been sung about for 50 years. Tell me something new. Exactly. Tell me something relevant to t- today. Yeah. I mean, how many artists have really come out with anything about the last election? What about fucking Donald Trump know, just got it's, elected? It's really great. What have you heard? Well, you know what? Locally, what have you heard? Locally, I've heard a lot. Sure, locally, sure. But I'm talking about but like, not in, you know, national. what overall what you're exposed to. Yeah. It's like, how is this even possible? Which is crazy, because, crazy. Because during the civil rights movement, like every single song that was coming out, like had some involvement in politics or like movement or what was going on or relevance. The, the you know? song doesn't need to be "fuck Donald Trump," right, right, right. But give me some side, you know, give me something um, thought provoking. Yeah. Like I posted a Facebook status today. It was a gangstar lyric. Yeah. And it, it resonated with me because I was listening, obviously, to Gang Start in the Office because I don't suck when it comes to music. <laughs> and I'm like, you know, it was like MOP, PMD, like everybody. And I was just in a mood today and I was listening. And it was, uh, I forget what the exact lyrics were, but it was basically like, it's easy to give advice. It's a lot easier than just running your own life. And I was like, dude, these motherfuckers knew about Facebook 15 years before anyone else knew about it. Because that's all I see is people, exactly. everyone wants to give advice. Everyone yeah. wants to talk about what you should do and right. how you should live your life. Who, like, no one's like, yo, I fucked up today. Like, I need to do a better job about me. Right. It, it's like, dude, I'm reading these lyrics, and they're so relevant still 20 years later. Exactly. And I'm like, who writes about shit, real shit anymore? Real shit, like, who exactly. writes about, like, day-to-day life stuff? Everyone's trying to be too cool. Everyone's trying to be an icon. No one's talking about, like, Nirvana was about ripping his soul open and throwing it in front of everyone. That was alt-rock. That was grunge rock in general. 
hip hop used to be like, I mean, I think about Biggie and like suicidal tendencies and shit like that. I mean, the guy's talking about how like he's so depressed he wants to fucking kill himself. Right. He's not talking about how much money he's making. Like Tupac, there's... Brenda's got a baby. He's talking about the impact that Brenda's baby is going to have on the community. Exactly. Well, these rappers can't even spell community. Michael Jackson. They, they would Billie do it without Jean. any you could vowels. Go, you could go through the real iconic artists and they're talking right. about real like shit. things that fucking matter. And yeah, I feel like everything star, is so yeah. everything's so watered down now. Right, like right. I'm not catching pearls of wisdom. I mean, there are some artists. There are yeah. some um, Kendrick Lamar, Uncle Phil. Like I, I listen to that song all the time. Like there's like a lot. Kendrick. Oh my God, he yeah. kills me. But I mean, there are some artists that are doing it. But in general, I just don't feel like we have that that vast exposure. You know, it was like the record companies just took. They were like, oh shit, the internet came out. Right. We're losing money. Uh, we really we need to control it more than ever. Like what gets released, we need to control more than ever. We need to filter it. They they don't want to take chances anymore. It was in the past, like a, a a band would get signed, they get released nationally. Maybe it hits, maybe it doesn't. But they would take risks on artists, right, and that's how you right, got new right. things. Everything's so prepackaged, totally. ready to go. They've tested it. They've run everything. They know exactly who's going to do what before it even comes out. Is it mass palatable? Is it going to go right, across? Right, they've different- tested it. Oh my yeah. god, it's so watered down, so so many people can enjoy it. But at the end of the day, I'm kind of a dick. I don't want to listen to something that everyone else wants to listen to. I want to listen to something that me and my friends want to listen to. Yeah. Something that makes me feel connected to other people. Exactly. So, you know, it's it's everything's too open to everybody now. You, you don't need to make I mean, like, look at NWA. They were pissing the whole fucking world off back yeah. in the day. Why do you need to be generally acceptable to everybody? You shouldn't. It doesn't need to be that yeah. way. Well, you know what it is? I feel... It's so crazy. Like, everybody wants to be a dick online and, like, be a troll, but then, like, nobody wants to actually be, like... Like Getting really on stage and saying it, out yeah. That's why, so like, uh, you know, the Dave Chappelle. Did you see the? Oh Dave my Chappelle? god! And, uh, I was so scared when I watched it. By the way, I was terrified. <laughs> he is a hero of mine, and I think he's one of the most, you know, sociological, culturally relevant people ever yeah. with his humor. Yeah. And I was like, dude, it's been like 15 years. Dude, is he gonna be good still? And he fucking blew me out of the water. He, he and he it. stood in there and just threw punches. And he was so out of line and so inappropriate. So perfect. And he was like daring everybody, like "fuck you." Yeah, I know I'm out of line. Like, and and you need people like that. A hundred. You need people because otherwise you don't fucking think, and people don't think anymore. Everything's so just laid out. Look at the fucking internet. Fake news everywhere. All you have to do is fucking Google. Yeah. You know, did Kylie Jenner land on the moon? No, she fucking didn't. Just right, Google right, it before right. you share the fucking story. And it's like. That's why you need a Dave Chappelle, someone that makes you look at yourself and be like, "I'm an idiot." Yeah, Dude. I do that. Like, I'm, I'm, For I'm sure. stupid. Why do I do this shit? Like, and the bigger issues, like him touching on Bill Cosby. I had a couple friends that were like waiting for my for reaction, him, and I was him. like, I thought it was perfect. I thought it was completely perfect. People were like, "Oh, it's inappropriate to joke about raping." I'm like, uh, I mean, unless you're a stand-up comedian, then it's not inappropriate to. Like, right? Like, everything else is just trolling. <laughs> if you can make a living standing on stage saying inappropriate things, like, that is your role in Who life. Who you know? has the balls to write open jokes about race, rape, rape. like, uh, the judicial system, like, everything, everything all into one and tie it together and, and take the unpopular viewpoint? He didn't condemn. Right. He took the, like, yeah, I do the same shit, other shit. Like, he fucking looked people in the face mm-hmm. and dared them to look at themselves. What would I really do? Like that uh, that bit when he's talking about the the racist kid who said something, and then the mom was like backstage, and she was like, "I'm so sorry, I'm so embarrassed." And he was, like, and, you know, what I, can I do? He, and he set was it like, up uh, so perfectly. He's like, Why don't you suck my dick a little bit, and I just thought, a little bit, just a little bit, and like. But he set that up like it was gonna be like a you know ha ha ha. It's gonna be a funny like uh, court Commentary, system joke, right. or it's gonna he's gonna play it onto this thing. And he just said, "Nah, suck my dick." And yeah. I was like, 
Oh my god! Fuck, I did not. I didn't see that coming. That's fucking fantastic. Hilarious. hilarious. And, and the best mean, thing is, he was doing those jokes in front of a crowd in Texas. <laughs> Good for fucking him, man. Like honestly, my greatest uh, regret in life is was after a night downtown. This was like twelve years ago. It was after a night downtown. My friends all had rooms at this hotel. I forget. I don't remember which one it was. It was the the big one they always do like the end of the New Year's thing down where it's like city center is now. It's the Hyatt or the right, whatever, right, something right. like that. So they had rooms or something. And uh, I was like, I got to go home. I got a girlfriend at the time. I was like, I'm going home. And then I, I remember I went home. My phone was blown up. And I was like, now nah, I'm hanging out with this girl. And I turned it off. And the next day I looked at it. I had like 30 text messages and like 20 missed calls. It turns out like five minutes after I left, he came down to the piano in the lobby. And while my friends were still kind of like all talking, I just started playing the piano and doing jokes and fucking around with them and having drinks. He's kind drinks of notorious for that. Just for, like, hours. Yeah. They said till like, 7 in the morning, they just hung out with Dave Chappelle, like, 12 of them, and he cracked jokes and yeah. fucked around with them. And I was like, I missed that by five minutes. Yeah. And it's devastating to me because he's one of those people that, like, honestly, if I had to put, like, a top 10 people I would want to meet ever, yeah, he he's one of them. So, so my and, friend- and beyond his humor, did you ever see his... Um, Inside the actor's studio, he did. I did, I did, and Block Party, dude. Block Party is so love. Like I it was, you... it was the most eye-opening maybe to like Hollywood and the industry in general thing I've ever seen. When he talks about, he's like he he lists off all the people that are getting torn up in the media at that time. Like uh, I think it was um, Martin and like all these other guys, and he's like Mariah Carey. He's like, yeah, these people are international stars the highest level of what they do. They don't get there because they're weak people. Right. So you see their lives falling apart and you don't think there's a sickness there. You don't think there's some common thread of what's destroying people's lives that are some of the strongest, hardworking embodiments of like, you know, like art artists in general. And then they're falling apart doing this crazy stuff. He's like, what do you think is wrong here? And that's why he was like, that's why I got fucking out. He's like, it was tearing me apart. Yeah. It made me sick. I was in a sick environment. Yeah. And I left and I got out. And I was like, holy shit, that makes so much sense to me. Like, totally. Like, that really opened my eyes to look at it from a different point of view. Like, yeah. everyone always hears, oh, you turned down $60 million. You're crazy. Yeah, but what's $60 million for your soul? Right. You know, like, if you already have millions of dollars, who the fuck? Like, what do you need good that? for him, man. Like, yeah. the guy, he's the guy who walked away from it all, was bigger than it all, and can come back to it whenever the fuck he wants, and they'll still pay him $50 million. Because he's just he's just that kind of a so genius. Not. He's a genius. What and we what we really need to figure out is how Netflix is able to afford to pay like two people fifty million dollars each in the calendar year and still produce like a hundred. Netflix has more money than God right now. Netflix, if you're listening, I'll do whatever it takes. <laughs> it was their program director is a goddamn genius, dude. You remember up. Netflix? I felt like Netflix was about to go out of business because they were like, right. "Oh, we have nothing real. We have all this old shit. No one cares about." Yeah, like four years ago. And the guy, like and the it. guy who jumped them into original content should get a fucking Nobel there Prize. There are so many great shows on Netflix. Stranger yeah. Things was might have been one of the best things I've ever seen in my life, entertainment wise. I have to. I haven't actually watched that. Ever. Stranger you, Things was flawless. Did you watch uh, the Stretch and Bobito uh, documentary? Uh-uh. Oh, you gotta watch it. See, there's so much. It. Look at us. I'm like, I saw this. You're like, I saw that. You gotta watch. Well, it touches on Narcos you know, was brilliant. About Black the, Mirror's brilliant. Yes. That's programming no one would. You wouldn't get to see you unless it was on a Netflix. On, yeah. yeah. I remember I watched the first episode and it was so fucking awkward. I was like, whoa. Yeah. This is incredible. So like, kudos <laughs> to Netflix. Their program director is crushing it right now. Shout out to Netflix. Yeah, good job, Netflix. Shout out to our future sponsors, Netflix. <laughs> How you doing? 
But um, well, you know, I, I want to touch on what you said about hip hop. You know, um, I I can't remember his name right now, and that's the, the worst thing ever. But uh, he's one of the biggest uh, black promoters in the country. He did like the Essence Festival. Like he's sure. you know, huge, huge, huge. And I had a conversation with him when I started working at Love Nightclub. Uh, and uh, a friend of mine put me in touch with him and um, Adoria, my friend Adoria, and she put me on the phone with him, and it was it was hella awkward. Uh, I have two put me on the phone awkward stories with Adoria, but uh, she put me on the phone with him, and and I was kind of talking to him. It was a re- really beautiful moment because where else would I get an opportunity to speak to this guy? And he said the exact same thing. He said that club appearances completely devalued the performance, and that's when hip hop went downhill. And it's so true. But I haven't lost faith. I think that. And that's what I do. I'm like the hard ass of local hip hop shows. And like some people don't like me and they think I'm a little overbearing. But like I have rigorous accountability with like the hip hop acts, like doing like the local stage at Broccoli City. Like, you know me, I'm always trying to like, because I love hip hop. I love hip hop. I love graffiti. I love bikes. I love weed. I love whiskey. Shout out to Jameson. (laughs) So like, you know what I mean? Like I just do what I love. And like, you know, we have to like kind of reteach people how to like sound check, how to show up, you know, how to do those things. But I feel like with people who are passionate about it, you know, in the right places, we can kind of lead the lead that charge back into relevance because there's a lot of stories that need to be told. There's a lot of things that need to be said, and MCs are the most talented people in the world. Oh you know, I can't put my thoughts together. Not even for a like minute. That. I can't rhyme two words. I tried. In my life. I tried. Me two hours on paper. Straight up, I tried. Like but was, like, what was that? What was the big? It might still be going on. But it was like Rock the Block or whatever that Rock is. Rock the Bells. Rock the Bells. That got canceled here two years ago. Well, yeah, ticket sales. Because they Ticket didn't. Uh, well, no, you know why? Because they did it on the same day as another big event. Do you remember? And then, yeah. uh, and, 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 and they announced it like two weeks before, and, and like it blindsided everybody. But that gives you an example of how no one cared anymore. They were just so over it, and like non appearances, late appearances, right. it got to be a mess. But I am. There are some young artists, even if I'm not in love with them as artists, yeah. that blow me away. And I'll give you an example: Lil Uzi Vert. Hmm. His performance blew everyone out of the water. He was down in the crowd, bouncing around, right. climbed up to the second level of the balcony, was hanging off the edge of the balcony. You guys are probably all freaking going out. Oh, of course. Bit. We always happened before with rock artists. Right. But this was a hip-hop artist, a young hip-hop artist that did not dial it in on his show, that came in, showed up for sound check, was hanging off the rafters, dancing in the crowd, crowd surfing, going nuts. And I was like, okay. Yeah. I'm not always going to like everyone's music. There's hope. <clears throat> I don't There's need hope. to like, just because I don't like your music doesn't mean you're not a talented artist. Exactly. But I will always appreciate someone that's willing to put effort and energy and go nuts into a show. Yeah. And I was like, okay, wow. All right. I'm like really impressed by this. Um, And you know, like I've seen some of the legends do that. Like Man. we've done throwback hip hop shows. God, I wish I could do more throwback hip hop shows. But we had one, it was... uh. I'm about to send a proposal next week. Yeah, right. It was, uh, we had, not Onyx. Yeah, we had Onyx. We had Naughty by Nature. We had uh, Key Sweat, uh, Rakim. And then it was like DMX headlines. That show still might be one of my favorite shows ever. Bananas. Thanks, Sage. But DMX, how did I not know? DMX performed, I swear to God, he performed his whole fucking catalog. I mean, he literally performed for two hours straight. Yeah, DMX is a beast. I saw him at the Howard like a month ago. He was hanging off the rafters. He was just raw energy. Granted, a lot of that energy was coming from what he was doing behind the DJ booth in between songs. (laughs) And he would hold the goddamn mic up to his nose. I don't know why. He's getting (laughs) lots of oxygen. He was gassed out. But he's, he's a wild boy. But 
my God, like what a performer. Dude. 20 years later, he's, he's crushing it. Dude, now he's blown I saw away. Ja Rule at the Howard Theater like two weeks ago. He looks better than he did 20 years ago. Sure. All the girls in the room were like, I'm feeling, feeling kind of ja right under. I remember in like crazy. I remember in high school, girls were like, "I sweat Ja Rule." Like oh, he, college. he was like, and I was like, "Why?" He's like cut. four foot one. Like, why? Like, well, he's now weird. he's four foot four. He's yeah, like, yeah, seriously, yeah. like, but he, he's like big dude. But like beyond that, like Ja Rule had some verses and some some yeah. hard. People forget Ja Rule had some because he was only known for like his Jennifer Lopez shit right. and stuff like that. He had some fucking hard I'm shit real. yeah he had some like kidnap you and murder you in a basement shit like biggie and i was like all right it's like murder. yeah he was like he was a little savage back then for a while so good for him i have a funny story about ja Rule, but i can't tell it on air yeah there's very little i can say on air <laughs> exactly. i'm trying to keep it as exactly as possible. like scanning we're like what can i say, what can yeah. I say? What can I say? but um yeah, I mean, like hip hop. I guess that's what I'm voting for. That's what I'm betting on as as like the big new resurgence. I'm I'm betting on it. I'm loving it. I want it to happen. I think it's time. As far as like in a, it, like hip hop hasn't gone anywhere, but I mean, like as far as like more of like a live performance, yeah. in venues. Because right now we only roll, we only roll like ten artists a year, maybe twelve, right. fifteen, twenty. But like that, we know we're gonna make like a big impact and sell tickets. So you almost jump with hip hop from nobody. To stadium instantly. Right. There's no in between. There's no like That's true. you either are on or you're off. There's no in between. Yeah. So it's weird. Like you know, like it's tough for us to catch them in the middle because there's just not that much in the middle. So it and and then you know we touch them. We 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 handle hip hop shows well, but a lot of promoters won't do hip hop because yeah. it is unreliable yeah. because the agents don't even trust it that much because. You have five different managers of the talent, sure. young talent, because, you know, sure. young is always hot. Whoever's new and whoever's young is always hot. So the problem is they have five managers. One's their uncle. He's trying to book this. One's trying to do that. Everybody's then, got a cousin. Everybody's got. And then the problem is yeah. money either disappears or the agency's pissed off and they ixnay the show after you already signed a contract. Right. It's just a right. very right. shady area to deal with. It's just it's it's a mess. So you can only really go through the agency. And even the agency's like and, and I get it. Because the agency takes such a big cut. Who's going to turn down? Like, okay, my manager, my manager can set up a show where I make 50 clean myself, or I can do a show that does 75 and I end up walking with 15 after all the bullshit. So right. I get it. Like, it's right. tempting to not do these little side shows and especially club appearances. And that's where it all came from. It totally, was artists yeah. getting ripped off. It's like, okay, I'm doing a, a venue. We did $250,000 in ticket sales and I'm going to make. $35,000, dollars tonight. I can walk across the street to a club Go and make thirty-five, forty thousand dollars tonight, Literally. cash on the side with so, a bottle of Cristal in correct. your hand. And so the point is, lap. if they're making as much money off appearances as mega shows at Verizon Center, there's no incentive. There goes your. There goes the whole you know concept of doing shows. Right. So it, it was. It was. You know, it's. It's not just the artist's fault. It's just not the community's fault. It's absolutely. Mm-hmm. The way they were handled by management and and the industry in general, yeah. fabricated and created this whole scene of like we don't need you to do shows, we just need your face to go walk over here yeah. and do this and that, and that kind of ruined a whole bunch of stuff. It really did. But you know what? I think uh, we're in a good position to to take that back and change that a sure. little bit. You know, sure we've had some amazing shows. They're selling out nonstop right now. Let me ask you: the the hip hop shows that you guys had over the last year. Were those all shows that you guys booked or some of those? In-house. Like, it's all in-house. It's all in-house. We have some partners we work with in-house now, but over the last year, like all the big shows, the Futures, the Migos. They're all, yeah. Uh, sure. I mean, uh, Rick Do you guys Ross. work with a lot of outside promoters or have you kind of nah, learned that? we're pretty dialed in. We really only work with like three or four companies. 
which is basically in-house booking for us. I mean, yeah, they, they all yeah. put us down as their home venue. So, right. um, you know, that that's where we're at. We don't work with a lot of people. I mean, there's only 30 days in a the month. There's only like so many shows you can do. Like, I mean, and we're trying to do as many as possible. I mean, like Echo Stage is one thing, but Soundcheck gets a lot of big artists every yeah. week. Two, three major artists a week. Yeah. Three, really, minimum. On top of Echo doing two. Have you what have you guys ever done the math on like how many people a year like attend? People I'm not sure. I think I did the math on the first year Soundcheck and Echo was open and I personally worked I think it was like three hundred and twelve shows or something like that, or like th- close to three hundred, like high two hundreds. Because it was three at the time we were doing three shows. We were still doing three shows a week at Soundcheck and averaging two at Echo. So that's five shows a week average. I usually make the four of them times fifty like Mid-200s at least shows I was doing. It was like 200-plus. I don't remember. 250-plus. I mean, so I it was brutal. I brutal. see you on Facebook. You know, I, I was commenting to David earlier. Uh, we were talking about you coming in, and I said, you know, he's the hardest-working guy in, in the <laughs> business. Because, I mean, I, I'll see your post at night, like, oh, you know, insert whatever artist is here in this picture of this crazy uh, you know, whole room's all lit up. And then I'm at my desk the next morning, and I see that you've been at Echo Stage for an hour loading in for sound. You know, yeah, we sleep there sometimes. And I mean, sometimes like, we don't go home. It's yeah, just, I'm like, dude, how the hell is he? Do-? Like, I honestly don't know how you do it, man. Like, I know how old you are, <laughs> Jameson. That's why it's right in front of yeah. us. Tasty, sweet, delicious, sponsored Jameson. <laughs> Pain relieving, but Jameson. um, truth. But I mean, it really comes down to like, uh, there's sometimes I just can't wish the bullshit on my staff, so I'm like. Yeah. I'll sleep over. Fuck this. Go home. Get some yeah. sleep. I mean, I do the same in. thing. I work twenty. I mean, it's a, a much smaller scale, but you know, yeah. I, I'm all, I'm here the latest. You know what I mean? I I don't go home it's until you, everybody it, else goes well, home. Usually, pretty good. Know? But sometimes you get like four or five tours in a row. Right. And when you have a tour rolling out at six a.m. and you have a tour rolling in at six a.m., yeah. There's no gap. There's no room, and, and we yeah. only you only have so many people. So yeah. it's an adjustment, but. Uh, yeah. Well, you do what you got to do. I mean, it's just it's the show must go on. And like I said, I'm not the only one. Yeah. If you see me there back in the morning, that means production went home, yeah. got three hours of sleep, and they're right back in there. Yeah, exactly. And they got to do a 20-hour day hanging from the rafters. I mean, that's bananas what they go through. And these tours, too. Props to fucking tours in general, man. You have these crews, these you know tour managers, sound managers, production managers, blah, blah, blah. They hop off that bus. They literally yeah. had to sleep on a tiny little bus, come from a tour that ended six hours earlier, hop right. off. Reset a giant rig for the day. Right. Sleep for two hours. Come. I mean, it's it's bananas what yeah. they go through. They're working. They're working their asses off. The unsung heroes. You know. It's an industry that completely is out of love. Like I don't. Yeah. I don't know anybody I've ever seen doing this that didn't love what they do because you wouldn't do it. Yeah, There's a million different ways you can make money easier for people this talented and this hardworking than to do this industry. Exactly. It's definitely something you have to be in love with. Yeah. People say to me all the time, I don't know how you do it. And I say, well, well I have to. <laughs> I mean, it's not, it's who I it's am. Not, it's not really a choice. It's who I am. And I always say, I really don't know what else I would do, like jokingly, but I, I mean, 100%, I don't know what else at I would a certain, do. At a know? certain age, at a certain point in your life, maybe not age, but everyone comes to a certain point in their life where they're like, yeah, I figured it out. The moment of clarity. This is what I, you know, for me, it was like my mid to late 20s. I was like, I know what I want to do. Yeah. It's it. I'm going to go for it. We'll see what happens. <laughs> And, it, it, and it's just kind of your path. And you can, yeah. sometimes you question yourself. You're always like, do I want to do this? There's, there's so many easier things. But then you're like, you know, you'd be bored. Or wouldn't it feel right? Or wouldn't it be something you cared about? Exactly. So you just, you know, put you put the work in. You put the time in. And uh, it ulti- ultimately what gets you through it is the people around you. It's like, exactly. it's a very special community. And the music community is like, it's good people, creative people. Indeed. And I think we all have ADD to a sense where we need constant stimulus. But I get bored out of my mind if I don't have 
something new, a new sound, a new food. I mean, like I'm constantly scouring the city to try something new and see if my white ass can eat something spicier. You know, like I'm like trying. I'm like, yes, I did it. It said Thai spice on it. You know, like I'm for me, I just I want to challenge myself. I want to explore new horizons and see new things and feel new things. And 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 that's art. You know, it's music. It's whatever I can open myself up to. I'm like find myself Googling what's going on at the Kennedy Center, what's going on at local theater, what's going on you know, at, at the local museums, like I'm, I'm trying to like absorb as much as possible. I don't want to be a person that goes through life stuck in one little, 100%. one little, you know, lane, <laughs> you know, yeah. as much as I say, stay, stay in, in your lane. lane. Exactly. I mean, just don't fuck my day up, but, Not with <laughs> but, but do your own thing, you know, like, but exactly. I don't want to like mess with people, but you gotta, you gotta try new things. I can't stand narrow mindedness. If there's one thing, it's narrow mindedness that drives me nuts. Oh, it drives me nuts. I can't stand people that are like, mm, no, this is what I like, and I'm always going to like it, and nothing will change my mind. Yeah. Is there are that... like people that won't try food. You're like, just try a bite, and they're like, no. And you're like, are you allergic? It's... Like, you won't even try no, I, a bite? I just bite? don't like it. I just don't like it. How do you know you don't How like do you something know? until you try it or experience it or right. give it a few fair shots? Yeah. Like, I, I did acid at least six times before <laughs> I had a good time. You know what I mean? Well, I've never done any drugs or alcohol, <laughs> but um, if I did... <laughs> It'd probably take a few times for me to get used to it too. Yeah. What, what's your weekend looking like? Yeah. <laughs> but um, no, you're right. I mean, like it, it is about like, you know, life is short. Be brave about it. Like, see what you can get out of it. Uh, take risks. I was like, in, 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 in the, I get a lot of people that ask me business advice, like young people, and I'm yeah. like, dude, I don't. You know, I hate to be that guy. I never like to be that guy. It's like, this is what you should do, this is what you shouldn't do. Like, I could never be one of those people on stage that is like, here are the rules of how to, uh, fuck, that guy doesn't know what the fuck he's talking about. It's bullshit. <laughs> like, it, it happens. Life happens. Yeah. And you you learn to ride it out. You learn to, to go in the direction that feels right. And that's all you can do. And you, and you put 110% to what feels right at the time in the right direction. Exactly. And if anyone tells you there's rules to this, if anyone tells you there's like a game and say this or do this at the right time, yeah. they're full of fucking they're shit. They're full of shit. Because yeah. life doesn't have rules no. life isn't laid out for you uh life isn't something you can take fucking notes on and then walk out and be successful it, it, it's you got to make your own success and your own success you're never gonna be successful in anything that's not you so you know you can't go to a seminar and suddenly i'm the best fucking world's real estate agent right. no right. you can't go to a seminar and be like i'm i'm the best venue manager in the country no you're not i am so come back <laughs> learn it do your do the best you can do, you yeah. know, like and and like just put one hundred ten percent into it. And maybe it works, maybe it doesn't, but eventually you'll settle into like your lane. Where your lane? So yeah. you know, but it's like don't don't like uh, try to force yourself in, into something. Just like go with what feels right and try your hardest. I hate that, like you know, everyone always wants to know, like, is there a secret to it? Is yeah, there... people are like, I want to get a meeting with you, you can, so you can, I yeah, can pick what, your brain. What, I'm like, what path did you take? Like, I don't fucking lots know. Lots of whiskey. I was shit faced the whole time. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I don't fucking. I woke I up remember. like this. Yeah. <laughs> like I woke up and I was doing I mean, this. Like Def I don't Jam. Know. You know, Russell Simmons was smoking PCP like throughout the very first ten right? years like, of I, Def like, Jam. He doesn't even remember it. Like, I honestly. run my own clubs. I've done my own thing where it was it. The buck stopped with me. Like it was all me. I've humbled myself. I have bosses. I listen to them. I respect them. I give my opinions. Like I've done, I just kind of yeah. flowed with it. You know, yeah. I went, I went with what felt right and how it all worked out over the years. And, and it is what it is. Like yeah. it's, you can't try to force something. No, so, you really can't. And, the, and everything changes. You know, I'm, I'm kind of jealous of some of these kids that went to 
going to like music business for college. I'm like, that's a thing. Like, yeah, I was like, where the fuck was that when dude, I was growing up? You had sociology or communications. It was the only thing anybody went to college for when I was when I went yeah, to graduate. I was like, it was the only you, two options. If you could get into business school, you went to the business school. But there wasn't anything that was like. I have kids who come to me now, like, oh, I'm in uh, venue management or I'm in <laughs> music. I'm like, where the fuck did that major come from? What, what are you talking about? Cool. Who's teaching it? Rock and by roll the way. college. Yeah. You know, who's like, teaching it? Like. What guy right. that was like, you know, the tour manager for ACDC for 20 years is teaching right. it? Nobody. That, those I, who I, can't I, teach, right? Isn't that what they say? I yeah. guess. I mean, I, I just, I, I feel bad because they, they don't get the reality of it. No. And there are some realities. There are some harsh realities to the music industry that I guess are pretty true to the entertainment industry in general. And, and one of the truest ones is, and it's why I'm, another thing I'm proud of, it's tough for women in yeah. nightclubs, music industry in general. It's a man's playground. I mean, you only have to look at around you when you walk into a venue i yeah. mean from top to bottom it's a man's world and i'm really proud of some of my like recent interns over the years that now have full-time positions paid jobs that are women there's two of them i can think of that came up with me shout out leah zoe some other people like that but like they came along over the years they worked their asses off and they're women in the industry and kudos yeah. to them because it is hard yeah. it's different Everyone views clubs and music as what? Sex, drugs, and rock and roll. Like right. it's party, party, party. And we all know women are looked at differently for all of those things. So it, it's tough. It and, is and, tough. And it, there's a higher standard. I can go get drunk and hook up with whoever I want to. Hope my girlfriend doesn't listen to this, but not <laughs> yeah. anymore. I love you, baby. You're amazing. But in general, you get my point is like, I could go do it, and that just makes me more cool. Oh, for sure. But for a woman, it's like it's Dude, that double standard of I, I can't even. Ew, be on a she got her site. job. She got where she is because she did this because and she that. Did that. Yeah. And it's like, damn, that's fucked up. Nobody's like, well, who did Matt Cronin sleep with to get his job? Nobody you know? cares. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Nobody cares. Exactly. Well, so. and and not only that, but uh, you know, like I can't even be on any dating sites or, or Tinder or anything because people mm -hmm. people look at a woman in power and they're like, oh, Molly's looking for some dick. You know, like. It just percent. literally diminishes my like social net worth by like appearing to be single sure. or appearing to even need companionship or like just appearing human. Sure. You know, like we have to be this other thing uh, in order to survive. You know, I, no, I, it's I, tough. It's I feel really... lucky because I've created my own thing, so I deal with less of that. But sure. if I was within the confines of like existing, especially nightclubs, bars, those things. It's definitely a different world, you know. I'm I mean, not it's, sure. it's changing slowly but surely. Like, you have like Kate's and stuff that are working in the music right. industry doing amazing things. Uh, IMP has a, a bevy, a large number. And they were one of the first ones, pioneers of like bringing a lot of women into the company. I mean, Donna, Molly, like you could go on and on. They're, they're great about respecting and having a lot of women involved in their organization at high levels. And, and our organization as well. I mean, like Heather Ann Church for Glow. Right. Huge, huge young woman that has gone big places with bookings and stuff like yeah. that. And like I said, uh, and then Zoe and Leah, and like that makes me proud too, yeah. is to see the company expanding and, and doing interesting new things. And, 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 and part of that is you need a woman's touch and you need 100%. a different outside point of view. Yeah. You can't stay in the same lane. You just call the whole fucking <laughs> podcast lane. But you have to try new things and uh, like really, really proud of them. Like, especially because I know how hard it is for them. And, you know, and it's important that, you know, DC being like, you know, the epitome of, you know, the badass nightclub and everything that we do, that DC is also grooming and sending badass women right back out the door into the industry. So sure. people are saying, hey, not only is DC a hotbed for entertainment, but like, there's some badass bitches coming out of here running the sure. industry. So, like, maybe we should follow that trend as well because, you know, you, you need both. You know what yeah, I mean? Now that like, I think about it, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention... 
you know, McNuff used to be around here. Yeah. And then you have Chloe over at Steve's and Sarai and like all Ashley. Yeah. And I mean, there's a lot. Now there that is I really a lot. think about it, like there's a lot that are on the rise. Like a lot of young women that every are... company, there's a woman behind Rebecca Souther. She's sure. not in town anymore, but sure. like the little engine that could right there. I mean, there's she used to drop every single artist off, take them to the airport. I mean, there's a lot of Ali Kurens was right uh, not Ali Kurens, I'm sorry, but uh uh Ali Kurens was over at Glow and then she was at uh Bullet for a while, and then you have uh I could go on and on. There's yeah. so many. Like, there's just a million all over the place. It's good to be the leader in that realm, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's it. I, I always appreciate when people are celebrating women and and appreciating women without having to announce it, you know, mm-hmm. uh, and just doing it without having to tell the whole world about Rachel, it. Rachel, so. Rachel's out in what California now doing it, and then who was it? Allie, who left. Uh, Rachel's with Live Nation, obviously, and then Allie, I think, is with Live Nation now. She left. Oh, Rachel, there. yeah, Rachel. Yeah, from Howard Theater, she was running the show over there for a long time. Allie, mm-hmm. is it Allie? I, Oh, a, Alexa. Uh, Alexa. Yeah, obviously yeah. Alexa. Like, I'm all over the place. I can't even keep it. Now that I think about it. Yeah, exactly. There's shit, a lot. Shit, I need to watch my job. Women are taking <laughs> over. Why do you think uh, I'm here, man? I'm just grooming myself no, to uh, take over. but Like, now that I think about it, kudos. Like, they're fucking on the rise in a big way, and they're crushing it. But I think it. it has a lot to do with the, I mean, you know. Because when I started, that did not exist, ever. It, it, and, it, and now they're everywhere, and that's fucking huge. Well, it has a lot them. to do with the men that we're working with in, in the industry. You know, like, my friendship with you. Like, I really value that and because of you know, the private conversations we've had, the support that you've lent me, you know, really showing me your true colors and empowering me to feel confident and strong in in my lane, you know, uh, and, and knowing that I, you know, wasn't crazy and that I had that backing from a, a male that was in a pinnacle. But, I mean, no, that, that makes a difference, sure. you know? I mean, like, like I've always said to you, and I always tell you the same thing. You're authentic, DC. You're the fabric of DC. You're a part of what really makes DC, like, everything we've talked about tonight. You're like a you're like one of those hinges that it swings from. Sean was one of them yeah. as well. And I always tell you, like I looked at you and Sean as like those same people, like that opened my eyes to what DC really was, what it really had to offer, the real people, the real culture, the real uh, energy and family aspect of it. And and you guys, that's who you were. And I still look at you the same way, and I always will. And, and there's a few others, obviously, like you mentioned Scott, and there's there's some other great people running around. Uh, and and one day I aspire to have my name in that list of people. Yeah, hey, it's already uh, there, man. But you know, like it, it's just that's that's what it's about. Those are the people that have the right energy, the right the right mindset, mm-hmm. um, that aren't afraid to to be outside the boundaries and aren't afraid to do things to take risk. Uh, and and fucking God bless them because that's it, otherwise we wouldn't have. Like I said, DC's always teetered on that edge of being cookie cutter, you right. know, very government federal city. And we're clinging. We're we're clinging past that rent hike (laughs) to try to keep ourselves interesting and dynamic and and culturally relevant. And 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 for the most part, I will give DC some credit. They have started to open their minds a little bit to the fact that yo, we need an arts crowd. We need uh an interesting edge. And they've they've put money into the Howard Theater. They're putting money into IMP's new venue. Like they're starting to be like, we can't just be high priced condos. Right. Because young young America won't move in. Like oh. we're too spoiled and places like Echo, nine thirty, like they want that. They grew yeah. up with some of the best concerts around. They're coming they're, they're gonna live here so they can be around the amazing new restaurants right. that have opened. My God, I was just in Blagden Alley. I don't know how it was my first time last night. Nice. I've been all over the city. I was at uh, Dabney last night and then there's yeah. like some new Asian restaurant, I forget what it's called, uh, some new dim sum spot just opened across the street. And then you have like, I mean, it's all over it's the place. Crazy. Like, I can't, I can't even keep track of the restaurant openings. So we have a, a food culture again. We have 
concert venues for days. Well, mixology, food, concerts are the next is like live entertainment and all the bars. Next thing is going to be like New Orleans, where sure. it's not just food, but sure. there's going to be a little trio or an MC or a female vocalist. Like that's definitely someone's going to pop the up. Next wave, something like, or someone is going to pop up in DC yeah. very soon. That's going to put the country on notice and hopefully the world. And I'm waiting for that moment because there's enough eyes and enough crowd now where maybe punk didn't sweep the world as hard as it should have right. for Bad and Fugazi. Right. Maybe Go-Go never got the fair shot. 100%, I believe, Go-Go right. never got the fair shot no. it deserved nationally. Uh, there's options now where, like, we're a big enough nut and, yeah. and like, where somebody's going to come through that matters for yeah. one of these shows and it's going to go, they're going to hear it or see it, whatever it is, and, and DC will be back on the map. And that exactly. might be that catalyst that takes us to, like, a real cultural center. I think which so. Which I'm hoping for. I think so. And, you know, you, you know, uh, I, I would be remiss if I didn't mention, uh, and I know we have to shut this down soon because we're, we're probably... Has it really been that long? Time it has. flies when I you're know. having fun. It is. It's fun in here. But, uh, you know, I would be remiss if I didn't mention the Funk Parade uh, guys, Chris uh, Naum and Justin for Rude. Sure. And, uh, you know, about a year ago, uh, they came to me and, and a number of other people, you know, from white. Bo- I mean, uh, like literally like all these pinnacle people in the music scene and all this stuff. And they and they invited us all to um, uh, form a live music coalition. You know, they went to travel and saw it done in Seattle, uh, started having a bunch of meetings in people's houses, a lot of little underground stuff. We all like put together an agenda, an outline of what was important. If we really want to turn this into a cultural hub and a live music capital like Austin, sure. That means there has to be like mandatory minimum pay for musician. That means you have to have loading lanes for bands. I mean, right now, if a band is trying to load equipment into a bar, it's impossible to do that right oh now. There's God, no back entrance. So there's, you know, you have to do things in order. And then forming this live music coalition would then prevent um, condos from building next to 930 Club and then being like, shit, it's too loud. Because, like, no, motherfucker, you moved in here. And actually, you had to get your condo approved by the live music coalition to make sure that sure. that wouldn't even be yeah. a problem to start protecting these things to prevent them from continuing to happen. Sure. And uh, it's really amazing to see that. You know, these guys organize this festival. They don't make a dime off of Funk Parade. They literally work on it for nine months out of the year. I mean, they get like 26 special events permits. Like getting one special events permit is enough to make you want to punch yourself I know, in I the know. face. It's a nightmare. 26 of them? I mean, I'm exaggerating, but it's 17. Sure. You know, yeah. who fucking cares at that point, right? Like they're working so hard. And then they did this like panel event at Georgetown University where they had um, different groups of people. So my panel was me. Uh, the guy who found All Things Go, uh, the Broccoli City guy, and the other founder of Funk Parade, and then a woman who's the liaison between the mayor's office and DCRA. We were able to talk about the fact that, you know, they're doing 10,000-person festivals, and I have to get the same exact special events permit to do a 100-person event that's free for the community, which is making it impossible for me to do free events for the community and like, why aren't we getting the same treatment as events DC? And like, why are all just, these events right? Like, why is this happening? Right? Why are all these successful in DC startups moving to Merriweather? Right. Why are they moving out of the city? Right. Because the city's not doing anything to take care of them. I mean, I have watched over the years, like you just named a bunch of them, time after time. It's huge festival for the city, huge community for sure gathering point. Like it's a feel good moment when the, the community can come together and listen to music and people right. from all over the city and you can draw people in your city and have them come enjoy a moment. And it's backdropped by the city. Right. And it's going away because every single, because it is a nightmare to make it happen. It's so, so everyone's expensive. like, why am I going to deal with this when I can go to Merriweather, pay a flat fee and boom, my it's done. Done. I don't need to deal with this. I don't have the headache. Right. Everything's done. I can go to Jiffy Loop. Done. I can go to Wolf Trap. Done. I can go to right. all these big outdoor venues, have a day have or two hassle. festival. I have no headaches, no risk, totally like good to go. 
But with the city, I don't even know if my festival is going to happen two days before. Yeah, they could literally because some your agency. Shit. There's twelve different agencies that might right. show up and be like, "No, this is bullshit." No, it's a nightmare. It is a nightmare. Why would you deal with that? So of course you're going to go out to the burbs, and that's why we keep losing again opportunities for local artists for like you know local promoters, local trendsetters, yeah, I mean, whatever you want to call them. I don't want to sound corny, but like any of those for sure. things, hundred percent. I mean. You know, if you look at, like, All Things Go, Broccoli City, these guys are doing really big events. They're shutting down streets, but they also have huge sponsors. They're going to sell 8,000 tickets. The they coolest can thing in the world they, is shutting down a street right. and doing an event And they and can afford to oh spend, God. you know, three grand on a special sure. events permit. But if I'm trying to do a 500-person or 1,000-person free thing in the park, I can't because it's, like it's going to cost earlier. me Dude, six if you want to move, move the city, then you're looking for something. You're looking for entertainment. You're looking for right. action. You're looking for a diverse, interesting environment. If you're going to complain about the fucking noise from the music venue you moved right. into, if you're going to complain about a one-day music festival that pops up out of the year, fucking move. Right. At, at a certain point, we don't need more high-priced condos. Right. We need more culture in the city. Right. And, 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 and that's what makes the high-priced condos sell in the first fucking place. So why? It's so I, crazy. I don't live here. Exactly. I don't live here because my apartment's amazing. I pay way too much for a small <laughs> apartment. Yeah. I don't care about the pool I get to use for two months out of the year. Right. I don't fucking care about you know like the, the gym because I'm fat. So <laughs> the point I'm trying to say is what I care about is that I can walk out the door and walk to Just my friend's stuff. party where he's playing new music I haven't heard before and get drinks with an amazing group of people that can walk here and go to this restaurant, walk there and go to that restaurant. I can walk down the street and be in an amazing park, you know, that's been here for a hundred years. I can like, that matters to me. I want to feel something when I walk out the door. That's what I pay for. I don't fucking care about the building. So if you're not going to help me with the venues, with the music, with the festivals, with the entertainment, then, then I'm not going to pay this. Exactly. If I get the same shit out in Bethesda, or right. Arlington, God forbid, I'll never move there again. That was like one year, almost killed me. Uh, but, you know, like, I'll do it if I have to. Because if it's not any different, then what's the point? What's the point? What are we doing? Well, and that's why I really wanted to mention that they did that. And I'm actually going to email introduce you to those guys. Because I think it's important. Because And they did. They made some changes. They, we got in front of the city. We said, hey, this is a... How come Events DC has a permanent certificate of occupancy license? They don't even need to go through that shit. Oh, Why crazy. is it private? Crazy. Like it doesn't make any sense, right? But the fact is you that you can't like, do anything without going through events, DC, which is right so now. crazy. It's like what kind of crazy monopoly is that? But you know, but at least there are people in this city, right? Um, recognizing that and actually having the capacity to have those meetings and set up those agendas, write outlines. I mean, God bless. I don't even believe in God, but God bless Christopher Naum and Justin Rude for like that work because they're really helping to make sure the next 10 years don't get more fucked sure. than they already are. And and what it really brought out to me, more importantly than anything else, is what a fucking great community that I live in. Sure. That I can sit here, you know, and shoot the shit and have a genuinely awesome conversation with the GM of the biggest nightclub. And you know what I mean? I'm producing state. We're all friends. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. We all are kind of cut from the same cloth. There's some really great people at the helm of the biggest movements in this city. And I think that's really, really awesome. Like, I definitely sure. go home some days and I'm like, wow, I'm, I'm proud to even be in this little club. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm proud and, and, and impressed that people even put me in that lineup uh, with such an amazing city, like, with the, with the pinnacle, the movers and shakers who aren't just trying to make a buck, but are actually trying to make sure shit's going to be okay in the future, too, and make sure people are okay now. And I think that's really what makes, you know, 
this network of nightlife in DC different than yeah, absolutely, absolutely, and and ultimately, like I, I want to see it expand and and be explored, and I think that eventually, like we have the venues. It's like you said with the street festivals, with all this stuff. Let's explore outside of the venues. Let's look at it from an Austin point of view. Let's find some ways oh, we can yeah. take it to a next level, oh, and that yeah. will also help develop regional talent. But why is it so easy to get a you know? I don't want to be a city that's just always protests. Why can't it be a celebration ever? Why can't For it be sure. a celebration of communities? Every community, and God, it's important. Sure, it's amazing that we all have our right to come and, and speak our mind and protest, but it would be nice to be a city that people look at equally as like, yeah, people come and protest injustice there, but they also celebrate cultures there as well. Like, why is it so hard to have a celebration in D.C., but it's so easy to go and protest. You know, I never thought about that. You can get a protest permit like in like a blink of an eye, but you can't get a like free event in Ward Eight no. where the kids is going to cost you exactly. three grand I, in two I, months. I want to have a you know I want to have an outdoor festival like a a big just yard sale for my block in a community. Eighty seven permits. I want to go protest <laughs> birds. I don't like birds. Here you go. Sign here. You're good. Yeah. It's like what in the world is going on where it's so easy to be negative and so hard to be positive. You no, know, I never thought about that. But you know what? We're gonna we're gonna work harder to change that kind of stuff. You sure. Know? I just may, want... maybe you know maybe uh maybe Antonis and uh and and you guys will do some block parties and step outside because you know if enough of us put pressure on the city. Uh, then they have to buckle because at the end of the day, you're bringing all the money into the city. You know, you mentioned all these people driving from all these states come in. They're getting hotel rooms. I mean, the ep- the economic imprint. You know that ec- that Echo Stage and and company. You know, all of all sure. of, all of the brands are are impacting Funk Parade. All things go broccoli. I mean, all these things are you know economically impacting this city in major major ways from top to bottom. And at some point, they're going to have to listen. So sure. at least we all know each other, and we can come up with a unified message that will hopefully make a difference. Sure. You know, I mean, the- like I said, I mean, I'm just a worker bee, but you name some names there. You have your Antonises, your Pete's, people like that, guys that have been doing this for 20-some years in the city, and they've been groundbreaking in everything they've touched, everything they've done. They continue to be groundbreaking exactly. and successful. You know, I mean, like, they do festivals, they do all this stuff, blah, blah, blah. Like, it'd be great if they could move something from Baltimore down to D.C. It'd be great if, like, you know, it, those guys are going to do what they're going to do. They're they're super successful. They're amazing what they do. And they're going to continue to help D.C. That's what they exactly. do. And I'm blessed to work for them. They've given me a lot of opportunities over the years. And, and thank God they listen to me when I we talk and chop right. it up. But uh, as long as you have all these, the, like, the the gifted list of like uh names you named and and, and tying in with those guys and, and DC will be fine. It'll it will. Keep, it'll keep going the right direction. It'll keep uh pushing because you have people like us that are in a room discussing the future, discussing things that could be better. Um we go to 18 different kinds of parties. We, yeah. we mingle with everyone. We just want to see everything get better. We better. just want to see everything be happy. We just want to see the DC grow. And I guess it's growing up. I mean it's like in, in a way you feel like parents at some point. You just I love seeing the young 21-year-olds with that same, like, you know, excitement in their yeah. eyes that I had before my soul died 10 years ago. <laughs> but, you know, but, like, when they, when they real, you know, before they realized what taxes are, really, right, right, <laughs> you right. know, what, what, like, all the bills are going to be. But, like, I love seeing that. And I lived through that, like, that excitement and that vibrance and that, like, you know, like, oh, my God, like, this is life right now. They're in that moment. And I want to keep feeling that. And the only way you keep feeling that is through you know, expansion and new ideas and creativity. And 
we're on the right path. I mean, we're, I agree. we're, we're, we're definitely, I mean, we're growing at an, an exponent, exponential rate, like over the last five years, yeah. all the places that have opened. Crazy. It's Crazy. nuts. It's nuts. Crazy. Well, on that note, we're going to go ahead and wrap this up. We'll have a f- one final nip of Jameson as, sure, my, why not? as my great-grandfather used to say. I don't to have say. to work tonight. Oh, yeah, I do. Yeah, me mind. neither. Wink, wink. <laughs> <laughs> Working for Jameson. It's a pleasure talking with you. Hey, thank you for being here, Matt. It's, uh, it's always nice to see you. This is fun. I hope we get to do more. I had more a blast. Guess, it was a know? good time. Thank we, you. We should get you and Ben in here. It'll be a fucking comedy. It'll be hour. too much. If we bring yeah. him in, it's too much. That that <laughs> might be on Netflix. If we bring Ben in here, it's too much. <laughs> <laughs>